Heads up, everybody. I'm B. Francis Clark. And I'm Anton Anderson. And this is Sky is Black, future-facing conversations with experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs of African descent. Covering the worldwide African diaspora. Worldwide, baby. Worldwide. <laughs> Shout out to Jonas Alemu. Jonas is the founder of Lovegrass, a global food company creating healthy and award-winning products with the ancient Ethiopian super grain teff. You can follow Lovegrass on Twitter at the Lovegrass and learn more at thelovegrass.com. Shout out to Kim Macharia. She's the executive director of Space Prize. Mm-hmm. And this is a great organization. Their whole mission is to empower young women to participate in the growing space economy. Less than 20% of people who are employed in that economy are women. And she is moving it forward. Uh, you can check out more about that whole organization at spaceprize.org. And you can follow Kim on Instagram. She's awesome at galactic underscore Kim on Instagram. Shout out to Goke Olobusi. Goke is the co-founder and CEO of Helium Health, a digital healthcare platform driven by the belief that all Africans deserve access to exceptional healthcare. You can follow Helium Health on Twitter at Helium Health and learn more at HeliumHealth.com. And I want to give a shout out to an exceptional young man. This is Preston Mutanga. He, you know, has just, as a fan, made this incredible video, mm-hmm. kind of a, a Lego movie meets Spider-Man deal. And now he has animated, was recognized by Dartmouth grads, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, um, in the new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And so they hired this 14-year-old guy. Uh, don't want to call him a kid. And he's awesome. You can check him out. Check out his YouTube channel in particular. It's Lego Me underscore the OG. So L-E-G-O-M-E underscore the OG on YouTube. And check out all his Lego animations. He is awesome. And shout out to Amani Augustus. Amani is the director of the Alliance for Entrepreneurial Equity. The Alliance for Entrepreneurial Equity is a collaboration between Third Way and the National Urban League designed to develop and promote federal policies that will increase opportunities for minority and female entrepreneurs to start and expand successful businesses. Nice. You can follow Amani on Twitter at underscore Amani M-A. That's underscore I-M-A-N-I. M-A, and learn more at aeequity.org. That's A-E-E-Q-U-I-T-Y dot org. I will give a shout out to another extraordinary young person, this time at 12 years old. That's right. <laughs> Athia Grace Patricia Dennis just graduated from the University of Ottawa, and she is the youngest person ever. 12 years old, ladies and gentlemen, to graduate from college in Canada. Amazing story. She is graduating uh, with a bachelor's in biomedical science. So, (laughs) and you can read more about her story. It's actually really incredible at the University of Ottawa's website, and that's uottawa.ca. So that's U-O-T-T-A-W-A.ca. And thank you, fellow Wayfarers, for joining us in the Pure Vibranium Circle. So, we are a global podcast, and so we have to give a shout-out 
to our brothers and sisters in Cardiff and Beaumont and Simmering and Strasbourg and Santos and Salerno and Sokoto and Sunyani and Inglewood and Ipswich and Limon Ilalibela and everywhere the African diaspora is standing strong and moving forward. Including Kigali. That's so, right. Shout out to my Kiza colleagues out there. Mm-hmm. Um, up in uh, Rwanda, the inaugural Inclusive Fintech Forum is going on right now. And you can learn more about that at inclusivefintechforum.com. And in several cities in the UK, Bristol, Birmingham, Southampton, Newport, Westminster, and East London, the Windrush Caribbean Film Festival is going down and will continue until June 30th. You can learn more at windrushfilmfestival.com. And also in the Netherlands, in Leiden, the Ricks Museum is hosting a new exhibition called Kemet, Egypt in Hip-Hop, Jazz, Soul, and Funk. That's right. And that's going now through September 23rd. Uh, you can find out more about that at their website, which is www.rmo-nl. And coming up in New York, Tech Week New York is happening from October 16th to the 20th. You can learn more about that at tech-week.com. And that, of course, takes place right after the Encopa Summit mm-hmm. in Wakadis, which goes down October 12th to the 13th. You can learn more about that at EncopaSummit.com. Encopa spelled E-N-K-O-P-A, EncopaSummit.com. And I'm really wishing I had time to go to this because it's happening like in just a minute. The Afrobeats Festival in Portugal, in Portimao. And gosh, the lineup is just incredible. For real, though. I mean, (laughs) you can learn more about that festival at AfroNation.com. I can't even, there's like a thousand million people in the lineup. Go check it out and you'll be like, oh, that's why he was stumbling about it. So check it out. Afronation.com. And a little closer to home, at least for us, McLeet, who was the singer-songwriter who we profiled in our last episode, Mm -hmm. will be performing in L.A. in October. We will give you more information about that when we get a little closer. Hopefully, it will not overlap with Encopa. And also happening right now, is Black Space Week. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who've been on social media, you've probably seen some things about it. Mm-hmm. We will be um, having some posts with some highlights there. And on June 24th, there's going to be a cultural astronomy panel, which is intended to provide a fresh perspective on astronomy by showcasing scientists from the African diaspora, uh, providing a unique lens compared to the sort of the Eurocentric view of the field. You can find out more about that at blackandastro.com. And something that you can watch on PBS, which is the public broadcasting system in the United States. On June 24th and the 25th, you can watch the documentary Afro-Fantastic, The Transformative World of Afrofuturism. So in that documentary, you can hear from some of the pillars and experts in Afrofuturism, including Yatasha Womack, your cousin Reynaldo Anderson, (laughs) Tim Fielder, what's up fam? So you can learn more about that documentary at afrofantastic.com. Also, you know, there's still time. There's still time for you to get a virtual pass to the American Black Film Festival, which will allow you to see all kinds of films and events, including a special event called Financial Health 
and wellness. Mm-hmm. Tips to be financially fit. Yes. You can learn more about that at abff.com. And you can follow the links all the way down to uh, the current event. Very nice. So we'll look forward to all that as we also look to the horizon. Exactly. According to the BBC, scientists have created synthetic human embryos using no egg, no sperm. So far, the synthetic embryos have not been grown into a baby, so they say. The research has been led by Cambridge and Caltech professor Magdalena Zernica Getz, who has already developed synthetic mouse embryos with evidence of a developing brain and beating heart. The announcement was made at the annual meeting of the International Society for Stem Cell Research. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things to where I'm, you know, synthetic embryos. To me, almost without even learning that much about it, falls under the category of just because you could do something, should you? I have a whole lot of questions there. Like, first of all, whose stem cell is it? You know, hashtag Henrietta Lacks. Mm-hmm. But also, if you have to grow an embryo at one point, you know, is it actually a person that you've cloned, essentially? To Yeah. <laughs> all that is coming. <laughs> According to the journal Nature, scientists have successfully used an unfrozen rat kidney for transplant. Using a newly developed thawing technique called nanowarming, the new device is able to heat from within and throughout the organ rather than just at its surface. In regards to the long-term impact of this development, the study states, quote, organ banking via cryopreservation would make organ transplantation an elective rather than urgent procedure and revolutionize how organs are used to treat human disease. I think that's a good thing. You know, God bless everyone who's an organ donor. Being able to store them for at least some period of time, I think that's a great thing. According to the New York Times, the U.S. Agriculture Department has approved the production and sale of laboratory-grown meat for the very first time. The United States is the second country in the world after Singapore to authorize the sale of quote-unquote meat that supporters believe will provide better outcomes for the environment, better food safety, and better welfare and survival for animals. I like this. First of all, I think that we as humans are adapted to eat meat, you know, as a protein source. And so I think that there is value in being able to reduce the impact of producing that protein source. And so if we can do it essentially at scale in a way that isn't quite so devastating to the planet, I think that that's a good thing. Earlier this month, after a week of UN brokered negotiations in Paris, delegates from more than 170 nations have agreed to draft the first global treaty aimed at reducing plastic waste. Since then, environmental groups have been calling on governments not to allow fossil fuel companies to contest or water down the agreement. The next meeting of the Intergovernmental Negotiating Committee on Plastic Pollution will take place in November. And finally, in a related story, African environmental startup Cubic, K-U-B-I-K, has been named Startup of the Year at the 2023 Global Startup Awards, 
The company, which has operations in both Ethiopia and Kenya, turns plastic waste into low-carbon buildings. According to TechCrunch, Cubic's technology turns hard-to-recycle plastic waste, polyethylene, polypropylene, polycysterine, into affordable building materials including bricks, columns, beams, and jams. The startup is now planning to increase the production of building materials in Ethiopia before scaling across the continent. Cubic has just raised $3.3 million in new funding. So, as you look ahead, as you gaze forward, what are your thoughts? You know, I keep going back to that whole manipulating proteins and cells and stem cells. What do we as as a society want from this? And where are the things that, even though we could, we shouldn't do? And what are some of the things that we should really drive on? And I think in terms of being able to improve human health, being able to make it to where if you can take a stem cell and use that to regenerate organs or other parts of your body and to help you recover more quickly from injury, I think that's a fantastic use of that technology. If you're going to go all Star Wars and create a clone army, eh, <laughs> I'm, not so, I'm not so keen on that. Deep to the doo-doo, if we're talking clone army. Well, I, and then just kind of going on a slightly different axis, you know, but at the same time, the whole idea of being able to, in a more sustainable, less intensive way, to be able to have you know, the equivalent of animal protein, being able to feed so many people, I think that's a good thing too. And so all of this just simply begs for, maybe not necessarily even pumping the brakes on it, but just simply having people sit down and think about the implications of all these things and come up with uh, an agreed upon, and it's easier to say than to do, of course, but uh, some sort of framework of saying, here's, here's really what the priorities are, and here are some of the things that we're going to do with these technologies, uh, as opposed to just letting it just be laissez-faire. Amen. And as the great African-American activist Ella Baker once said, give light and people will find the way. Mm. So today, we pick up our ongoing glorious conversation. We will get back to the Schomburg Lit Fest and the Black Future Newsstand. We will continue our storytelling deep dive discussing black girl content, the new Little Mermaid, and the controversial film The Woman King. We will consider the long-speculated cultural justice series developed for our brother Idris Elba, in which he would play a character who works to liberate stolen African artifacts. Sounds so good. And we'll begin by sharing our thoughts on Moxie, the artificial intelligence toy robot designed for children between the ages of 5 and 10. But first things first and least things last, how you doing? You know, it's, it's, it's summertime. You know, it's officially summer. And so we've got all those sorts of different activities going. We mentioned, the, um, you know, uh, Afia Grace, um, you know, graduating. And, you know, we've sort of, we're in between grades and doing sort of summer camp type stuff. And really excited about that. One thing I want to mention as a quick uh, shout out. I want to give you a quick shout out because he's just so awesome <laughs> to Nicholas Smith, who was yes. highlighting, uh, you know, a, f- a few days ago was Juneteenth, but it's also Sickle Cell Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
for those of you who aren't aware of it, there are actually summer camps for kids who have sickle cell. Um, here in Southern California, Camp Crescent Moon is the first one that comes to mind, but there are a number of camps for uh, kids to not feel like they're the only one having some of these challenges. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really you know, applaud him for, for highlighting that. And, um, and I think that you know, as we look at summertime and, and different activities, that you know, that's an opportunity for, for kids to, to try something a little different and to try out different environments and perhaps ones where they can be um, surrounded by, by others that are, that are like-minded. And he also took a second to teach some sign language as well. He said, make the letter C with your left hand and O with your right hand and cross your arms. And that is transfusion, or at least it's transfusion in English. I'm not sure what it would be in Yoruba or Hausa or (laughs) Swahili or any of the other thousands of languages that are important to us. But that's transfusion in English. So... As always, big ups to Nicholas Smith. That's right. It's also Octavia Butler's birthday tomorrow, so we want to say rest in peace and power. For those of you who may not be aware of it, Octavia Butler is considered by many to be the godmother of Afrofuturism. So That's right. Much love, much respect. Mm-hmm. Also, World Refugee Day was the other day, and looking ahead... We need a world where no refugee is treated like the black refugees were treated by the Greek Coast Guard. We need a world where all people, especially those who are desperate and despairing, are treated with dignity and respect. That is what I want to see in our future. And when I say future, I'm talking about tomorrow. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, it's, it's very easy... Because it was a captivating story for us to be focused on the the loss of the five people who died in the submersible going down to the Titanic. But at the same time, there were like 700 people who died, not looking to explore a wreck, but they were looking to have a better life. And as we all move forward, as we all move ahead trying to have a better life for all of us, I think you're 100% right. I mean, we need to be able to have... Um, everyone treated with as much interest and care because they had like, they had the Canadian Navy and the U S Navy and the French ships all looking for those five people have as much effort put forward, you know, in terms of how do we know that we're at Wakanda? How do we know that we are at, you know, a place where we are all equally respected and equally loved, equally valued when you have those sorts of resources, even frankly, the same resources mm-hmm. <laughs> put towards the 700 people as we saw put towards those five. Amen. And I'm also thinking about some good news at the same time too. The African Export Import Bank has just celebrated its 30th anniversary and they just nice. hosted the very first Pan-African Business and Development Awards. Mm-hmm. And the founder of the year went to Aliko Dangote. We talked about him in our last episode. And the Pan-African Business of the Year went to Ethiopian Airlines, which, of course, one of the top 20 airlines in the world and one of the few profitable airlines in the world. And so big ups to both of them. And speaking of looking ahead, 
The winners of the Africatown Design Competition have been announced. Oh, nice. WXY Architects and EKLA Landscape Architects were part of the winning design team. So, obviously, we're going to talk more about this in our next episode when we also talk about the Netflix documentary Descendant, Mm -hmm. as well as Idris Elba's Sherbro Island Project. But we will do that in our next episode because right now, what resources in our conversation menu have you captivated? You know, I'm, I've been kind of bouncing around some of the financial literacy mm-hmm. uh, items in there. And in particular, I really liked the uh, examples in Investopedia talking about what does generational wealth mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does it mean and kind of how it all works? You know, it's very, you often see that term sort of bandied about, oh, well, we're trying to make generational wealth. You know, I went to McDonald's and I got myself this because I'm trying to make generational wealth. You know, people like to slap that label onto all kinds of things. Don't sleep on that value menu. <laughs> well, it depends on where you, it depends on what you do with the money you're saving. <laughs> it's true. We will have a year of Ujama conversation menu. So when you go to recollect.media, click on, Money Moves or Sky is Black, you'll be able to access that there. But in our AI conversation menu, Axios has an article from Ryan Heath on AI potentially being used to make deadly viruses. The Brennan Center for Justice has issued a statement about how AI might compromise our elections and our democracy. There's a CNN article about the likelihood of teachers being replaced by AI. Another CNN article about how AI is being used for mind reading which is basically making predictions based on brain scans. There's a Bill Gates video where he talks about how he doesn't think that AI should be paused and that the government isn't ready to regulate AI. So anyway, a lot of things to look at, consider, think about, and read. So let's get into it. Yeah. If we haven't mentioned it already, the second half of the season will focus heavily on robotics, but we can get a little glimpse of that right now. There's a robotics company called Moxie that makes an AI-powered robot for kids. So we're going to play a little promo they have, and then afterwards, we're going to talk about it. Riley. Riley. Hi. There's someone here who wants to meet you. My name is Moxie. I'm a new robot. What is your name? I'm Riley. It's nice to meet you, Riley. What do you do to get ready for bed? Brush my teeth and read a story. I love stories. Would you read a story to me? Sure. Rita woke with a lovely dream, still fresh in her mind, gracefully gliding across the shimmering ice rink. Last one. Breathing exercises always help me relax. Riley, we have a new mission. Would you make a drawing for me? Okay. I'm so excited for you to tell me about the dentist. I've never been to one. You don't have teeth. But I can still smile. And then what happened? He said he didn't want to play with me anymore. 
Thank you for telling me about your day. Sometimes, holding a friend's hand makes me feel better. Do you want to try squeezing my hand? So what's our new mission, Moxie? You'll need paper and a pencil. We are going to make some kind notes. For this mission, you'll need to talk to one of your friends about what makes them happy, and then tell me all about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Mom, can we invite Mason over to play? Sure. I have a new mission. We're gonna talk about things that make us happy. Bye, Moxie. See you soon. All right, so what's your take on Little Green Moxie? Actually, actually, first, let me mention something really quick. It's actually not a brand new thing. It's been out for a couple of years and was named by Time Magazine as one of the best new tech products in 2020. It was developed right here in Pasadena by someone named Paolo Perjanian. And right now the cost is over $1,000. You know, it's, to me it's one of those things of, and I'm not sure which came first, the science fiction or the product fact, because when I saw the trailer, I immediately flashed to Steven Spielberg's movie, AI. What came first was the lab-grown chicken and the lab-grown <laughs> egg. But, which was a really great movie. Um, with uh, Was that Haley Joel Osmond? Yay, even him. But it, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought that was great. But then more recently, seeing this product, Moxie, immediately made me flash to an episode of Black Mirror, which was um, came out a couple of years ago, and it starred Miley Cyrus. And basically, you could buy this product, uh, and it was um, called Ashley 2, um, because the, the Miley Cyrus was essentially Ashley 1, or Ashley was the pop star that was in the episode. And it would use aphorisms and, and sayings from the pop star to, to kind of encourage you, you know, to encourage little girls, you can do it, and all these things, and tell me about your day. And, and it, was, it was interesting because the, where Black Mirror took it, spoiler alert, was that they'd really kind of uploaded the, the, the consciousness of this pop star into this toy and they were using it to to basically have kind of like this this false almost holographic uh version of the pop star uh going but but this but having this doll having this toy having this robot that is your your companion and your your confidant so it's designed for children between the ages of 5 and 10. That's actually your wheelhouse. Is it something that you would want for your own children? You know, the answer I think would be no. And why no? And the reason is, is that, you know, the while I can't claim to be the perfect parent by no stretch. Um, neither Only P-E-R-F. <laughs> At least perf. Uh I would say that, you know, the whole idea of this being something that drives on social emotional learning, in my opinion, and I'm not an early childhood expert, it's one of those things where I think that social emotional learning is inherently the interaction between people. Humans? (laughs) Dare I say, yes. And so... For me and my family specifically, the answer would be no. And yet. And yet. 
I think that there are children who might be on some sort of spectrum who may have some challenges in these areas. Don't you talk about that spectrum? <laughs> no, but I mean, but seriously, I think that that having one one of the challenges with social emotional learning is that it is social with other people and it's emotional and so it deals with with feelings and how you're doing and so if you're trying something out i think that if you are having a lot of difficulties in those areas i think that perhaps having this ostensibly simulated experience and simulated interaction because even the trailer you see the you see the mom on her app sort of guiding what the robot's going to talk about driving the curriculum. And so it's not really a genuine interaction the child is having. It's one that's somewhat curated. And and being able to do that, much like you could, you know, play chess against uh, a computer, play other, you know, play these, you know, quote, games with the robot that can help develop and enhance your skills from a social-emotional standpoint, especially if you've got a, a, a significant deficit there, I would say, you know, that has... Uh, a, a potential benefit, and I think that that you know could be a thing. I worry that because the robot's going to make it relatively easy, you may not necessarily get good at the things that are kind of hard. These uh, anthropomorphized interactions, whether it be with this toy robot, and that's or, my issue with it, is you know. What's driving it? And, and where is the information coming from? And, and, and what potentially purposeful and what, you know, accidental biases are baked into it? And so for my family, I would say no. Um, not with like a super strong, like, you know, heck no, but more like... I don't think it really is a, is a good fit for us. Well, I am a super strong heck no. I am a thousand percent against it if the intention is to have the robot Moxie serve as a stand-in or a substitute for a real person. Agreed. If, if the lines are at all blurry for a child, I am altogether against it. Because to me, our job as parents is to lead our children to the truth the truth of who they are and the truth about the reality of our world and the universe and all the details therein. And so if they think that they're having a genuine quote-unquote interaction, quote-unquote conversation, quote-unquote connection with something that they think is human, that is essentially teaching them a lie. I agree. And so um, I am deeply troubled by what this could cause for children are there some great things here potentially yes but if it, if it ever becomes confusing and they say oh moxie is my friend those kinds of things very troublesome and to me i did play with toys and action figures and i had my little toy spider-man and my little toy batman and so i wonder in your opinion how do you think playing with moxie is different than playing with a traditional toy, how do you think those interactions are, are different? Well, when you're playing with a doll or when you're playing with, as boys would say, because I, I had my action figures, but when you're doing those sorts of play, one, it's purely in your imagination. Not only are you 
imagining the interaction, but also you're putting yourself in the position of the other person. And so you are imagining what the bad guy might want to do, or you're imagining what the person who needs to be rescued would be doing. You know, you're, you're, you're doing that multi-part role-playing. Even a child does not think it's real. No, not um, at all. I mean, even my three-year-old has gone, and I'm like, I've asked some questions about a toy that she was playing with, and at some point she's like, it's just a stuffy. And I'm not saying that children would necessarily get too confused because they could know at least at this point in time that this is something that is not you know really alive i mean they could easily come out with version 2.0 that looks very quote-unquote real um it's a slippery slope we're on it it's happening but and also i mean i would say even in their marketing um materials they talk about you know the the child's ai friend right and so i'm and dear listener, you guys already know this. You know, I have an issue with the anthropomorphication. Yes, that's the issue. That is the issue. Of this, to where you anthropomorphize search results, whether you're anthropomorphizing, you know, all these different things to where you're, where you're making an assumption and marketing a, uh, the assumption that this is a sentient entity. That is the heart of the matter. Yeah. A sentient being. And so, you know, your, your AI friend, and that's a direct quote from yes, them. Yes, You know, that's what I'm when, saying. When you're seeing how your child's behavior impacts their AI friend, I, I have a challenge there. I'm challenged by that. Yes. Because I, and, and maybe, you know, hashtag get off my lawn, kid. Maybe I'm the old guy. No, you are, you are the wise, shrewd smooth operator (laughs) i'm not sure about any of that but i think that putting forth and baking in this frame that these are sentient extant creatures that that i I think you're right i think it, it, it runs it continues us down that slippery slope and and i think that at the end of the day it's a product and at the end of the day it is a product that is Probably I didn't look at it um, in in depth, uh, but you know, it's it's a product that is probably comes with a subscription for updates, and it is a a, a product that then you know is driving a revenue stream, and and so what do you do with that? Shout out Keanu Reeves. <laughs> But what happens if, sorry, Billy, mommy didn't pay the bill, and so... Yeah, to me, I mean, the, the money is an issue, but it's the psychological destruction of the child that is the... It's, but, but the reason why I keep going back to the money, though, is that, one, it's obvious, but two, it's also, it goes back to the, to the, to the harm that can be done to the child, because essentially, and maybe not quite so directly as the example I was about to give, but you can begin to essentially program the children. Yes. Yes. I think these things, though, do have an opportunity to, to help be, you know, sort of a, a, a safe testing ground for, for children and for people who have... As long as the children are living in reality. 
the moment they start to think, you know, this is my friend, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to our storytelling conversation. Yeah. And let me just say very clearly, because it bears repeating, why this conversation is so important. Now, you may be thinking, what does Pan-African storytelling have to do with the future? I mean, isn't the future about flying cars and robots and spaceships and intergalactic travel? And it is. And it is. And what does storytelling have to do with that? Well, obviously, the answer is that the vision of the future that we have largely comes from books and films. And when we think of the future, most of us think of the worlds that are imagined in films and TV shows like Star Trek and Star Wars and The Terminator and Matrix and The Jetsons and 2001 Space Odyssey and Lost in Space. But when we think of the future for people of African descent, what stories, books, and films are giving us a vision of who we are and the future we want to see. So in our last episode, we talked about the lack of empowering films for black boys. Today we're going to talk about black girls. You have one daughter. I have two. But let's start with you. So you and Mrs. Anderson had a chance to see The Little Black Mermaid, a.k.a. The Little Mermaid, and The Woman King. All right, so what was your take on those films and more importantly what was her take on those films did you guys find those films in any way potentially empowering to your little black angel and it's funny because putting those two films together Mm -hmm. I mean they're radically different (laughs) radically different Um, you know I would say Woman King, it was actually really interesting because we knew that it was you know, loosely based on historical events. And so more than anything, for both my wife and I, it prompted us to go and find out more. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who aren't part of the, the, the African diaspora, you know, that, that's, one of the, that's one of the cool things about it is that you, know, you hear these stories and you, or you watch these films and, and you're... And, if it's and often they'll say you know based on true story or loosely based on this or inspired by whatever, but I mean it's like wait a minute that happened. <laughs> the whole <laughs> May exactly, and so you know learning more. We actually spent a little bit of time after watching that watching the Woman King, uh, reading up on the uh, the Dahomey Kingdom and about the. Um, and about the warriors, the the women warriors. And it's funny because in pop culture, spanning time, you know, a large chunk of time, there's always been this fascination, you know, whether you're talking about, like, you know, the original Amazons or whether you're talking about, um, you know, Wonder Woman in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. There's always this fascination with these warrior women. Warriors, come and, out and play. Yeah, and, and just... In case you aren't familiar with with them, they were sometimes called the Dahomey Amazons, but they were an all-female military regiment for the Kingdom of Dahomey, which is in Benin, West Africa. And it was real um, from around the 17th century until the late 19th century, which is really fantastic. And they were pretty fierce. (laughs) Um, 
and it was interesting also to hear more about like you know how the movie was different with you know in the movie the Oyo Empire was like was was really villainized and but the Dahomey were no saints either and so it was really it was actually really interesting to hear um sorry it was really interesting to learn more about that and i would say more than anything else it inspired us to to do more in terms of our daughter i would say that i mean my daughter's 3 so it's going to be a minute before she sees this movie mm-hmm. did the missus think that this was something that might inspire her for my wife and and for me you know just seeing that story of perseverance seeing that story of of triumph both for the the main protagonist um played by viola davis as well as for sort of her her understudy you know in the movie and and it was a great story and and really a a, a fun movie to watch and we, we really enjoyed it did it inspire mrs anderson in any way my wife it's She's a pediatrician, so she's nice, right? Mm-hmm. And so she actually doesn't really like watching a lot of violence in movies. And and so, you know, I know that, um, you know, some of that didn't really, you know, wasn't necessarily endearing to her. But at the same time, when we talk about the, we were talking about a little bit of the, the grit and the determination, you know, the, the, that, the sort of inner fierceness. And... I'm not sure if she's going to say, you know, be like that to to our daughter. Um, partly because she she already is around it. I mean, she um, she comes from a long line. My wife does comes from a long line of women who have that inner fierceness and and have that that determination, that striving for something better. And so, I think that being seeing that in I won't really say seeing it on the big screen because we saw it on Netflix at home, but but seeing that you know on a screen, seeing that portrayed in you know seeing it as a warrior, you know, throws that sort of inner fierceness into sharp contrast and forces it to be extant out into arguably this the cinematic world, at least into the living room. <laughs> but I think that. I think seeing that, and, and she and I didn't discuss it, so I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth a little bit. But I think that... Danger, Will Robinson. Well, but I think that any time <laughs> that you see something closer to representing yourself, mm-hmm. striving, having a challenge, overcoming, you know, it bolsters that inner fierceness. And, and I think that in, in that regard, that I think was probably the... In terms of like you know to your to your question, reinforcing that is something that I could definitely see my wife doing with my daughter. And then, what was your collective take on the Little Black Mermaid? You know, we liked it. We liked it. You know, it was. Um, we we both had a chance to see it, and we actually it's a long story, but we both had a chance to see it separately, and probably the number one thing that jumped out at us that we both talked about was how while Halle Bailey, um, you know, was portraying Ariel, Black Mermaid, 
she wasn't, you know, she did not necessarily fall into really any major black tropes. And that can be both good and, you know, not so good. Because a lot of the haters out there were like, how dare you have this fictional mythological creature be black? Well, a lot of people took issue with the time frame of it because the time frame was still very much in slavery period. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't speak to it directly, but to, to not acknowledge that reality, some people had issues. But with. I, thought, I thought, I mean, I did. I've heard many people talking about that. That didn't even come on our radar. I mean, it was one of those things to where it was clearly set in a fictional, mythological, you know, space. It, it had some echoes of, of Bridgerton in the sense that the 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 you know Prince Eric's family was a there it was a mixed race environment um, and court there in the in the castle and in the towns it was mixed race and uh, and so yeah, that really sort of sanitizes the ugliness of the period many people say but I guess I mean much of the wealth that you see in that film generated by slave labor. I mean, on one hand, I mean, I guess, yes. I mean, I, I, I'll admit that neither, that wasn't on really either of our radar when we were watching it. Uh, partly, partly because we'd seen the original animated film. And mm-hmm. so we, it was already kind of, you know, kind of a remake of a story that we'd already been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I haven't seen it. So I'm just sharing what other people have said. And, and so it was, I would say that part of, and, and this is as an adult, part of the fun of it was essentially a little bit of the, the Bridgerton effect, if I can make up a, a term. You know, when you watch those shows, and shout out to Shonda and, and the creative team there, it's fun. It's fun to to see people of all different hues and colors and, and hairstyles, you know, in these you know, Elizabethan, you know, sort of clothing, whatever, sort of really like 18th, 19th century type of thing, type of garb. And so that part of it was fun. The, but at the same time, Hallie and the other black actors, they kind of played it pretty straight. So for, for the, if you listen to what some of the haters were saying, the people who were like, oh, there can't be a black mermaid, you'd think that they were going to turn the little mermaid into the, the whiz relative to the Wizard of Oz. And this was definitely not that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of the singing, in terms of the the choreography, in terms of all of it, it was very much straight down the middle, straight down the line of the, the animated story. And and so, not that I have radical sympathy for giant corporations like Disney, mm-hmm. you know, but I would say that it's a hard thing to do. I mean, if you're trying to expand the tent, and 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 have and and have more people feel welcome, and feel and see themselves in these entertainment properties, mm-hmm. I mean, one, they're doing it for the money. Because you expand the tent, that expands the opportunity for income. 
And yet you also want to not necessarily throw out what had been done before and those who love the thing that was done before. I definitely give them props for doing it. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. For sure. I mean, cause, cause, cause it is a risky move. Um, just to even just change, just to change the, the demographics of the cast is a risky move. And I do applaud them for it. And, and yet, and yet they didn't necessarily, you know, Hallie is a great singer. I mean, that's why they hired her. I mean, uh, I think that she could have put a little bit more of herself into it. Uh, you know, and I think that she played it very straight. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I, I enjoyed it. And I know my son enjoyed it. But I think that, you know, there's still an opportunity. There's still an opportunity to, you know, if you're going to have... Much in the same way that some of the other Disney properties, when they, you know, had you know, casts of other ethnicities to where they kind of leaned into it a little bit. Not too much because it's Disney. <laughs> but, so they're not going to go too much in any direction. But I think that they, you know, they could, they could, they, they could have leaned into it a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, I also enjoyed, you know, seeing, seeing the diverse cast, seeing the diverse, um, Truly, a truly diverse cast of mermaids. Um, so it wasn't like suddenly all the mermaids are black. But I mean, I, th- I I think they. I mean, if I allow myself to be in the position of the people who are making the movie, it's a tough needle to thread. I give them applause just for the casting, right? I mean. And I agree. And that's where going back to our whole concept of of storytelling and the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. That's why I think you also need to have new stories because there is a strong, you know, mermaid culture in, in West African stories. We actually have two books in our bookshop about black mermaids. One is titled Skin of the Sea, and the second is Soul of the Deep, mm-hmm. both by Natasha Bowen. So there's been lots of buzz about both of those titles. So if you're interested in that, check that out in the Sky's Black Bookshop. Nice. And so I think that you could have, you know, the resources of, of Disney, these major corporations, and, you know, the, the whole Mami Wata st- storyline. And take that and drive on that because then you're, you're liberated Frankly, you don't have to play it straight because if you if you mess with Ariel too much, there's no reason to mess with no, Ariel. This, this, well, I, I guess the bottom line though is that we enjoyed the movie and and our son enjoyed the movie and uh, I would say that you know there are some moments in it, so it's not really appropriate for my three year old daughter yet. But you know, when the time comes, sure, we'll take her to see it. Why not? Um, and by the way. I want to give appropriate props to Melissa McCarthy uh, playing Ursula because she did, I think she did a great job. I mean, it was very much, you could tell her her humor and and her personality, you know, kind of came out in that role. She was very well cast as well. Oh, (laughs) booking.com. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, as you know, I've been thinking about Sudan a lot. And there's a Sudanese proverb, and it is, We desire to bequeath 
two things to our children. The first one is roots. The other one is wings. So let me ask you, as it relates to your daughter, either one of these films speak to roots or wings. I would say that seeing... And it'll be a while before my, my daughter sees The Woman King. Oh, of course. But I think that even if we as parents sort of, you know, allow ourselves to help our children develop that inner fierceness, that, that inner grit that some people would call it, I think that there's value there. And if this movie helps reinforce that, sure, great. And with regards to The Little Mermaid, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about the whole Disney princess thing. I mean... As you should. You know, the... So, ladies and gentlemen, spoiler alert for those of you who've not seen either version of The Little Mermaid. But, I mean, here's a princess. A princess! Who has, like, a siren voice and who, you know, can do all, all these great things and decides to give it all up for some dude that she's barely met who she saw drunk at a, at a birthday party on a ship and who falls overboard because they weren't paying attention and got clobbered by a storm. And is willing to give up everything. And in the Hans Christian Andersen version, willing to give up her actual soul. Mm -hmm. So I have a challenge. As with, you should. You know, with, um, with a woman being willing to give up all of that for, for, for anyone, you know. Uh, man, woman, and any, anyone, mm -hmm. and so that's you know I'm not sure if I would say oh you should be like Ariel no, <laughs> and so that's that's you know that has its own aspect to it. Uh, at the same time, you know where we we live in this in this saturated world, you know for for small children. It's very much a, a Disney saturated world, and and so having a, a Disney character that that she can see herself in, mm -hmm. you know, visually, mm -hmm. I think that's great. You know, I, I I'm, I'm not going to be like, you'll never see the Little Mermaid. No, no, no. But you know, I wouldn't necessarily have her model herself after it. But I mean, in terms of you know, if she sees someone that 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 looks like her, you know, sure. Amen. Well, going back to this idea about roots and wings, I'll be really quick. I have two daughters, and my thoughts can basically be captured in two words. Hidden figures. Yes. Now, obviously, that was a movie about black women at NASA who played mm -hmm. major roles in putting humans on the moon. Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to being a movie, for me, that idea, hidden figures, is also a call to action. But to me, we need to see more hidden figures because I think those are the kinds of films that will actually speak to our roots and also give us wings. Now, in some ways, The Woman King is a story about a batch of hidden figures, but there really needs to be way, 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 way more. And by way more, I mean hundreds more. There's definitely been a recent movie about Harriet Tubman. There have been movies about Rosa Parks and Winnie Mandela, but there certainly needs to be more. There was a recent Netflix film about Madam C.J. Walker, who was the first African-American millionaire. There is a film about Bessie Smith starring Queen Latifah. There have been movies about Whitney Houston and Aretha Franklin. 
But the recent movie, Till, about Mamie Till Mobley, Emmett Till's mother, to me, those are the kinds of films that will actually speak to our roots and give us wings. We need films that go beyond the iconic historical figures and get into the stories of the many, 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 many Pan-African hidden figures throughout history who have done great things. And to me, a perfect example is the upcoming Shirley Chisholm movie, who was the first black woman to run for president. Now, there was also the previous documentary, Shirley 72, Unbought and Unbossed. But this is a film that is starring Regina King, and I just have a suspicion that she's going to put a foot into it. Oh, um, definitely. She, I, she, I, she's I have awesome. every expectation of an amazing performance and would not be surprised if she does that, that it's Oscar worthy. All right. So as we wrap things up, what is your overall perspective as we come out of this episode? We've talked about Moxie and we've talked about AI challenges and we've talked about Encopa as we always should and Nicholas Smith and hidden figures and, and the fact that the future is female. Yes, it is. What developments, if any, do you feel are taking us down the road? I think that all of these things, especially in terms of the movies, in terms of the storytelling, it moves us ahead by showing to the larger society that, hey, there's more here. You don't need to have some algorithm, you know, synthesize a story for you. There are plenty of stories that are already there. And all you have to do is open your eyes and see them. And so to me, that's what moves us down the road, moves us into the future, is bringing all of our stories, all of our amazing <laughs> backstories up to the front. And, and here on this podcast, that's, that's part of what we're doing, is we want to highlight you know, storytellers and artists. I mean, Nicholas Smith is just, is just so awesome. You know, and, I, and I love the fact that he's using his platform to, uh, to bring important issues to the front. And so by highlighting him and by highlighting uh, these stories, we're, we're, we're moving us forward and moving us ahead. And that's really what we're doing here on Sky is Black. We hope, ladies and gentlemen, that you'll give us your thoughts, give us your feedback. Let us know about the stories that, that you're running into that we should be aware of. You can reach us via email at anton at skiesblack.com. And we can reach you at be Francis Clark at skiesblack.com. Online, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sky is underscore B to the L to the C to the K. And then on Facebook at Sky is no underscore B to the L to the C to the K. And of course, on the web, uh, recollect.media and skyisblack.com. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to us. Thank you for being here with us here on Sky is Black. We will continue to, to drive forward on all these conversations and, and weave them all together into a wonderful, beautiful tapestry. And we will see you soon next time on Sky is Black. Sky is the homie. Sky is... Sky is Chisholm. <laughs> yeah, the sky is the kingdom of Dahomey and the oil empire. Sky is Regina. Seriously. Sky is Harriet. Sky is Lovegrass. Sky is black. Sky is cubic. Sky is Halle Bailey. Sky is Encopa. Sky is black. <laughs> <laughs>
Semi to Cornell.